Welcome into another episode of the Young, Dumb, and Trying podcast. I'm Austin, one of the hosts here, and this is a podcast where me and my co-host Steven try to answer some of the questions that have plagued us in our lives. We try to answer how those questions relate to Christianity and what we currently experience in our culture today. We all have those nagging questions in life, and especially as it pertains to Christianity and religion. And we've designed this podcast as a place where we can answer some of those questions the best we can. We're both young, we both can be dumb sometimes, and we're trying to understand how the experiences and thoughts that we have connect with who Jesus says we are and how we follow Jesus today. On today's episode, Stephen and I discuss one key word that you hear Christians say a lot that may be confusing if you don't know what it means, and that is the word gospel. Number one, what is the gospel? And number two, is it just a list of theological facts and beliefs that we believe, or is it something more? Stephen and I explore the gospel not just as something that we agree with or even admire, but rather something we experience and enjoy right here today. In other words, it's living life in all of its fullness. It's living that abundant life that Jesus talked about. So sit back and enjoy Stephen and I's second conversation here on the Young, Dumb, and Trying podcast. Um, okay, so talking about this idea of the gospel. First of all, Stephen, what does that word... <laughs> <laughs> Love yes. the hand. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um so first of all to start the discussion, I guess when you think of life as it's meant to be lived or the abundant life because you read in the gospels, specifically the four books about Jesus, mm-hmm. what I guess what comes to mind when you think of life as it's meant to be lived? Um the first thing yep. that came to my mind when you were speaking is the theme song to Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. Sister Sweet Life. Um, so I'm not going to lie. Like I, I, <laughs> I was trying to figure out when I preached about that yeah, to, yeah, yeah. if I could incorporate that, but I'm like, no. Nah, Are you serious? Too, yeah, but I was like, that's, wow, that's, that's too, so cool. That's too cringy. Great minds. Look at that. <laughs> um, yeah, it would have been cringy. And also like, I feel like we are at right at the edge where that yeah. people would get that. Yeah. And then, you know, all like the people that are maybe 13 or 14 and under have like no idea. Yeah. They, Which they is know. so weird that like there's things that we say that people don't get now because we're too old. <laughs> yeah. Weird thought. It's just, it's just that, that part that we got, we made it. Yeah. 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 We're like in the messy middle ground. Um, so I think the sweet life, not the sweet life. What's the, the abundant life? Lord have mercy. <laughs> The abundant life to me feels like um, this is probably like a a little bit of a personal projection, but to me, the abundant life is uh, like friendship and relationships. Okay. And like the, like the correct context for those sort of things. Um, But also like, so when I imagine the sweet life, I just imagine a, a bunch of people being um like a bunch of people this is gonna sound weird but a bunch of people being real with another real with one another in the same Mm -hmm. space all being like included all being heard all feeling uh maybe fulfilled is a word or something Mm -hmm. 
And so, like, I don't know how to say it in like a in in a real definitive way, but I think something that paints a picture of what the abundant life is for me is just like everybody around uh, a table having a great time. Mm-hmm. So, like, I don't know how you if 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 if. I guess it's like the sense of belonging, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those the feelings associated with being around the table, mm-hmm. but like that as a metaphor for like what your life looks like. Okay. So Does I that guess. that makes sense? Yeah, I, I would, I, I think so. So it's like. Good, I was a little worried there for a second. <laughs> okay, keep going. Um, so I think it's like to, I guess, bounce off of what you said. It's like that, it's the joy and I guess fulfillment that comes from a sense of belonging, right? Yeah. Kind of? Much more eloquently put. Okay. Love that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's, uh, I think that's a good, I mean, I think that's a good framework for how we talk about like what, like why Jesus came, number one, what he invites us into, number two, and how we experience that in our day-to-day lives. So what, like why, take that first question, why did Jesus come? Why did he live? Why did he die? Why did he do what he did? Mm. What was the point of that? If, as you understand it. Uh, something that I like to tell the students, I th- is it in Hebrews, the joy set before him? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Well, what is the joy set before him? The joy set before Jesus when he's, the reason he's enduring the cross is to get us all in the same room together again. Okay. And be, like able, be able to enjoy, to go back to the metaphor that we started with, to be able to enjoy the feast together. Okay. Which is why... I mean, it may not be why, but at least for me, that's what I think of when I think of communion. Is that that God wants me to and wants uh, to invite me to take part in what He's done, but also just so that we can be around the table together. Mm-hmm. So I I love that, and I think that's that's the essence of how I understand what like the good news about Jesus is mm-hmm. is it's reconciliation, right? It's I guess, righting the wrongs that either we've done or that have been done. Yeah, us, yeah, yeah. Right? Absolutely. And for me, the way I understand that is that's not something that is limited to just a personal experience for me. It's something that applies to all of creation, really. Like, God is, in Jesus, God is writing a broken world. He is fixing a world gone wrong. Yeah. Right? And that, to me, that ripples down from, yeah, his people who were made in his image to all of his creation. So it's this idea of knowledge that leads to transformation. It's not so much just a list of like theological facts or beliefs that we just kind of check off the box. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's a, it's a way of life to be experienced and to be lived out. And it's a very, it's an inclusive way of life and in that it invites everybody from a variety of different backgrounds and experiences to to live the way Jesus lived because mm-hmm. the way i i see the gospels is that Jesus is humanity as it was meant to be lived Jesus lived life to the fullest and he right. came so that we could experience that life yeah as absolutely well. and i think that's when okay when we experience that it, it then ripples down to not only other people around us but in the way we're called to care for all creation, just like you see the the original humans in the garden in Genesis one and two doing. 
Yeah. That's what that was their job. They were commissioned to help cultivate the earth and care for all of God's creation. Yeah, yeah, Does yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. It makes me so part of something I said I think last episode was that why I settled for salvation when you could have transformation. Yeah. But I heard recently another oh, I think it was uh Andy Crouch, I think is his name. And he was talking to John Mark Comer okay. and he said that a, he said that a popular thing today is uh, confusing revelation hmm. with transformation. Hmm. So I'm, I'm confusing the fact that I've like, I've assented to a list of, like you said, theological facts with the fact, with the reality of like those, those actually changing me, mm-hmm. right? Those actually influencing my day to day just because I can agree that they're real mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily mean that they have changed me in any way. Mm. And then, which opens to me the like the next part of the conversation well it's like okay well have you actually do you actually believe these things if it doesn't change you at all Hmm. right i like that but then i don't know that gets hairy a little bit right um yeah i mean i i think there's an interesting distinction and i think it for me the english major in me goes to that word believe mm. what does that word believe mean mm-hmm. um so, Stephen, what does that word believe mean? Uh, to me, it means, well, so I don't know about believe. Let's just, let's define faith so I can use the word believe in the definition. <laughs> I mean, I mean, both are, I'd say, I mean, in, if you really want to be nerdy, like they come from the same root word. So really? It's just, yeah. In Greek, it's just. The word believe is just faithing. It's just oh. yeah, it's just faithing. So cool. you can define either one and, and get the same result. Yeah, so it's to me it, faith is have is believing in something enough to where it changes your actions. Okay. To where it influences your actions. Yeah. Like it's one thing to look at a chair. This is a illustration I heard my cousin use one time when he was preaching. And it, it was like it's so profound in its simplicities. There is one thing to look at a chair and think like, okay, okay, cool, I can go that chair will probably hold me. Yeah. It's an entirely different thing to actually go like put your weight on yeah, that chair sit on it and sit on, on it. Um, which is, I think the distinction between, I guess, agreeing with something hmm. and believing in something. If I believe, then I'm willing to go sit in the chair essentially. Right. Does that make sense? 100%. And cool. I would, yeah, I, I think that, that word, that word believe when you look at it and like, because you see that word a whole lot in in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. It's like, I mean, Jesus even says, like, believe in me. Those who believe in me, they, they won't die. They'll live, right? Yeah. And that can get a little weird because it's like, okay, what, is, what does belief mean? Um, it, because I think for so long, at least in the environment I grew up in, belief was just saying the right things. Right. Right. It was a, okay, I'm going to believe the right list of theological facts and I'm going to, I don't know, in a sense, uh, I'm not going to do certain things because I believe those facts. Yeah. And I, I, th- I think that kind of missed the bigger picture for me. And it's something that when, when I realized that belief is, is in, intrinsic in the definition of belief is transformation, right? It's knowledge that leads you to act differently than you did before, right? Yeah. So again, to use the chair illustration, like, like you said, it's that's a cool thing knowledge that leads you to act differently than you did before mm-hmm. yeah 
And that's, I think, that's what the gospel is, right? It's mm-hmm. the fact that, um, and, and I, I don't think this idea of faith is disconnected from uh, what, what we see in the Old Testament, because I think it's easy for us to look at uh, the Old Testament a whole lot of times as a, as a group of people who were trying to do enough to earn God's favor, which is true in a sense, and that's what it evolved into around the time Jesus came about. But the way it started was that people, that God's people, Israel, they didn't, like, they had the same faithfulness to yeah. God yeah. and the same faithfulness that Jesus exemplified. It's just they got, like, in the, like, I mean, even from from the time that they, the Israelites walked out of Egypt, they were already not being faithful. Right, they God. just got it wrong a ton. Right. And so I think that skews our definition of what faith actually is because, yeah, I, and I wouldn't say, I've moved from thinking not so much of faith because I think faith for a lot of people just gets like the list of theological facts and beliefs. I moved to the definition of saying faithfulness, right? O- long obedience in the same direction. And it's and it comes as a response to it comes as a response. It's not something we do to earn. Does that make sense? It, it's a response to what? I would say it's a response to God's faithfulness to us. Yeah. I would say I would say it's God's faithfulness <clears throat> to us. Mhm. And how he continues to show compassion to us. He continues to care for us. He continues to provide. I mean, you could even look at the little things. So the fact that even the sun comes up. Yeah, yeah. That is a, it's a sign of God's faithfulness. Yeah. The fact that um, I have breath in my lungs. The fact that Stephen and I are able to sit here and do this podcast. Like, that's a sign of God's faithfulness. Sure. It's a sign of his provision. And out of response to God's faithfulness, Mm -hmm. um, we, we respond in turn. And and we we respond differently. Um, we respond. We respond in a different way as if than we would if he wasn't faithful. Does that make sense? Yeah, our response is not out of um, like a. I mean, I guess you could make a you could say it is in a roundabout roundabout way, mm-hmm. but it's not a response out of fear or shame or uh, maybe like. I guess the negative connotations associated associated with submission. Right. It's uh response because we have a correct perception of who he is and how he feels about us. Right. Makes me and you said Old Testament stuff it makes me think about um Abraham it was his faith that yeah. uh yeah. made God count him as righteous. It makes me think of um David, King David, yeah. who I think likewise or in 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 step with the nation of israel made david made mistake after mistake after mistake after mistake but the thing that characterized him as a man after god's own heart was the fact that he never um he never like he, so like he never stopped returning to god yeah right yeah and so and he always took accountability for his actions right so like that 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 idea of faithfulness, long obe or long, would you yeah. say, long obedience in the same direction? Right, long obedience in the same direction. Yeah. Okay, cool. So that long obedience in the same direction doesn't necessarily say that you're never going to stumble or trip or maybe take three steps forward, two steps back. Right. The marker of faithfulness is to keep going in the same direction, to keep returning, right. to keep. Um, it's like the it makes me think of recently we've been talking about the John fifteen 
yeah. remain in me and I will remain in you. Yeah. That whole idea of just stay, just stay right here. Mm-hmm. Just stay, regardless of what the circumstances are, regardless yeah. of whether you can see me doing stuff, or whether you can't see me doing stuff, uh, just, just stay right here. And if you stay right here, I'll stay right there with you. Mm. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I love that. That's encouraging. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think too, there's, I, I love the distinction that you brought out. It's not because in, in talking about this idea of faithfulness, it can be easy. And in my mind, it could naturally go to something like, okay, well, I have to do something to earn it. Right. Like it's, it's my response. And so it's God responding to me based upon my response to him, mm, right? Yeah, it makes us the initiator. Right. And I don't think that's that's not the gospel. Have that, you no, it's not. No. Have you heard of uh Alistar Alistair McGrath? Maybe? I don't know, he's an Irish dude. I think it's Alistair McGrath. Yeah. I, I he was a he's a professor at Oxford or Cambridge or I think he was a he was a mathematician, I think. I don't know. It could be. Yeah. Is this guy that you're talking about still alive? Pretty sure. Yeah? It could be that guy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Alistair's something, right? I saw him. I saw like a YouTube clip or whatever. And so then I watched the whole message. It was like 50 minutes of this guy just preaching preaching in an Irish accent. And so like he could have awesome. yeah, he could have said whatever he wanted. And I would have been locked in, right? Because he's, you know what I'm saying? Like he was, he could have <laughs> led me in the exact opposite direction of where I needed to go. And I would have been like, yeah. I love that. You know what I mean? Good for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm good with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he says, sorry, back on track. He says <laughs> that if if the statement of like, if your statement of faith begins with I, yeah. then like, then no, 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 that's wrong. It's because of what he has done, what he did, the distance that he closed. Right. Um, And how he made a way where there was seemingly no way. Right. Uh, Which is, how do we get there? Talk about the idea of faith and belief. Yeah, what that, what that looks like. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is a cool thought to rant. So he, and we could tie this into the sacrament of communion. We could tie. I mean, we could go endless possibilities here. But we talked about how he wants to, or, or how communion is just simply getting around the table together, right? So the gospel is essentially setting the table hmm. so that me we might, I don't know, walk into the room and uh choose to sit down with yep. jesus yeah i like that i like that a lot um i i think it's it's cool too uh, because jesus was faithful to god because he um he didn't just he didn't abolish the law he fulfilled it mm-hmm. in all of its um in all of its requirements because he was faithful in sacrificing himself uh for us he calls us, and because he not only died, but because he was raised to life again, we are now enabled to participate in that same life, in that same sacrifice, yeah. and through the sacrifice, experience that resurrection. Yeah. Right? To me, that's like okay. Jesus's faithfulness is a model for us, right? But we can't do that in our own power. Mm. And and he knew that. He said, okay. So, and, and even in the Old Testament, like, God recognized that. He said, there's going to be a day, in, in the book of Jeremiah, he says, there's going to be a day when the law is not written on tablets or stone or paper or anything like that. It's going to be written on their hearts, right? And I'm going to give them a new covenant, 
right? And then we see also in Joel that it's like the spirit of God is going to be in God's mm-hmm. people, right? Mm-hmm. Men and women are going to prophesy and they're going to, I mean, they're going to dream dreams and they're going to they're going to have visions and, and all of that cool stuff, that, that what we see in Acts 2, that's the fulfillment of it. But that's how we, um, that's, that's the, the driving force of the gospel, right? That's how we live in that. It's not just um, we're, we do it in our own power. We can't do it in our own power. It's God's spirit in us mm-hmm. that enables us. That it's, it's God's spirit in us that transforms us into the image of Christ. Does that make sense? Or is that confusing? No, it makes sense. I'm just visualizing it. <laughs> But for me, that's that's a helpful explanation. It's like, okay, it shows us that, number one, the gospel isn't just limited to a set of theological facts or beliefs. Sure. Right? Number two, it's a way of life that we experience regularly. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not based on what we do or what we pre- we don't have to perform for it. It's, it's God working in and through us yeah. to help us live the life that we were always intended to live. And, and, I mean, what's the significance of that today? It transforms everything we do from the way we, I mean, the way we go about everyday conversations, the way we go about um, thinking even, the way we just go about being ourselves. It, for me, it transforms everything like that. It's not just a, okay, I can kind of compartmentalize. We like to do that a lot, compartmentalize mm-hmm. and say, okay, because I've been transformed by the holy spirit then i'm just i'm gonna go to church on sundays or i'm gonna i'm gonna just check off a new list of box mm-hmm. of things boxes that i of things i have to do mm-hmm. right instead it i mean it gets to the heart of who we are right it gets to the very core of our being and it invites us to experience this life right life as it was meant to be lived life as it was intended um life of in all of its fullness so to speak yeah. For me, that's how I would like qualify the gospel right there. Does that make sense or is that is that more confusing? No, no, that makes sense. I think like it's it's the it has to reach past like a Sunday, a Sunday morning experience, Ooh, yeah. right? Um I think the it even so like in in the context that I have these conversations a lot it's with uh like high school boys, yep. right? Um so I lead the small group for the junior boys yep. after uh juniors in high school after we have service and stuff like that. And they always say things like, uh, you know, like I haven't come to church in like three weeks. And so I feel like I'm far from God, which is like, sure. Like I get that. Yeah. Like, just so you know, if you give if you have accepted the free gift of forgiveness and surrendered your life to Jesus, then like you don't have to come to church. Matter of fact, like you, you the church goes with you. It's like the opposite where right. you don't have to come to church to necessarily have a moment with with the Lord, although being in being in community and in the same room around the table with a bunch of other believers ought to fill you up, right? But the kicker, the, I guess the real goal is to be filled up solely for the purpose of emptying yourself in all the other areas where you go. So I guess ideally, like what it looks like if you haven't come to church in three weeks, it's not that, oh, I feel so far from God. It's like, oh, you've been a vessel for God to show himself to other people in a, uh, in a bunch of different circles, wherever you right. were, right? Yep. Um, 
now that's not an excuse to never come to church because yeah. like I think it's a necessity. Right. Uh, but I think that going coming coming to uh, a religious service or experience isn't the thing that um has to be the end all be all. Yeah. For where your what is that? Like a gauge where your gauge is at spiritually. Hmm. I like that. I like that a lot. And I think it, it hits on a really important point in talking about like what is the gospel. It's not a location, right? It's not um, eventually heaven, mm-hmm. though like, yeah, God talks like that. That's a part. God says that the gospel is it's greater than death. Yeah. Share your eternal life thing from uh, from last night. That's cool. OK. Um, so the way I've kind of shifted in understanding uh, and, and like. For a little bit of context, I, I was able to speak at the student ministry where uh, Stephen Stephen leads, and in studying the passage of the Good Samaritan, um, the scribe or the lawyer he comes up to Jesus, and in order to test Jesus, he says, "What do I need to do to inherit eternal life?" That idea of eternal life, the word used, it's not an idea of a location. A lot of times, I think in Western culture, it's easy for us to you read that look, and be like, "How do I get to heaven?" Is how he, what he's asking, right? But it's right. not actually what he's asking, right? It's not. It's not. The, the choice is not heaven or hell, right? Mm. The choice is is life in all its fullness, right? Because the word used there, the Greek word is zoe, and whenever zoe is used, it refers to a status or a quality of life above the status quo, right? Ooh. It refers to something that is above the the, the normalcy. Is that life. where we get the name Zoe? Yeah, yeah. So a lot of our a lot of our English names, so like uh, Zoe, Zoe. Sophia, Sophia, right? Yeah, philo- Sophia uh, is wisdom. Wisdom. Yep. And then uh, there's a couple other ones. I mean, Karis is Grace. So you'll like you'll hear it's not a super common name, but yeah. Like, um. A- anyway, like that's that that's where it comes from, and it's this idea of <laughs> I was about to say like, and then Karis is Grace, Karen, <laughs> ungraceful, right? <laughs> but that's not real. Cultural relevance yeah. at its finest. <laughs> <laughs> I'm making things up. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um. But no, that's. That's it. it. It it refers to a quality of life. It refers to a a way of life, and and the entire message of Jesus. Th- this is a theme, especially in the Gospel of John. It's uh, you you see a few key words repeated. It's life. It's believe or faith, and it's um, what's the other one? Oh, so it's life, believe, and I guess you could say another theme is action. So it, it's active. It's not oh like go and do it. Yeah, yeah. So like, go and live it, or like you see Jesus a- approaching a lot of people. Right. That, that's another theme in the right. book of John. Well, you said that you said that last night that uh, he said go and do likewise. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that was yeah. That's in the but that's like that again. Back it up a little bit. Like that's the gospel mm-hmm. is okay. You've experienced this. Now go and do likewise. Mm. That's life in all of its fullness, right? Yeah. It that's. It's not just a, okay, I'm going to go to church. I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to come and join the community because, like, that's what that's what Christians do. It's like, it's not what Christians do. It's it's the way that Christians are and it's the way they live, right? They've been personally transformed, so God calls them to live in response to that transformation. And that response to the transformation is going to look a lot different than the culture we see around us because in an attempt to find that life, We've looked in all the wrong places, right? Right. We've, we've worshipped. Dude, and served. you're on fire today. <laughs> I'm loving this. 
<laughs> Keep you. getting after it. Um, so yeah, we've worshipped and served the creature rather than, than the creator, right? We've we've taken good things that God has given us to enjoy in the context of himself, yeah. and we've turned to those things instead to find life. But in reality, we've just find nothing, mm. right? Mm-hmm. We, we find the status quo. The life of Jesus involves um, believing, involves, okay, because I'm going to believe, because I believe that Jesus is who he said he is, and because I believe that he's going to do what he said he's going to do in me, I'm going to respond differently, right? Yeah. It's, the, it, it's a, a reception, but then an action as a result cool. of that reception. I love that. Yeah. So something I talked about last night with the boys was um, where the church's role is in that Good Samaritan story. Yeah. And I think it sort of ties into what you're saying here, where, um, and also you said it a lot, and I like, the in, I'm not intending to just recap your entire <laughs> message, but I think it really applies to what we're talking about. Uh, you said it a lot that like God is compassionate, right? Yeah. Um, that Jesus is compassionate. And the, one of the markers of the gospel is that I think what this also, I can't remember where it's at, but um, like he's acquainted with our grief or something like that. Yep. Where's, where does it say that in the Bible? Um, I mean, you could go to Isaiah 53 and I, I think Isaiah 55 as well. Um, it, it talks about the the Messiah, the figure who was foretold in the prophets and everybody. Who, it was it was God's anointed who would come, and and sacrifice. And like it says that this Messiah, unlike the ruling class of that day, he's going to be acquainted with our griefs. He's going to be a, a, like a, a man of sorrows. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, and, yeah. And Jesus adopts those terms and he embodies those terms and shows right. us like yeah. Like he was homeless. Right. He he traveled around. Right. People hated him. Yeah. Like really hated him. Um and he ultimately lost his life. Yeah. As a result of that. So I mean that's where that idea came Yeah, from. so so you take the Good Samaritan, right? The some the if you don't know the story, a Jewish guy gets beat up yeah. um and is left for dead essentially by robbers. Mm-hmm. Um a priest walks by, a Levite walks by, neither of them help. A Samaritan walks by who has his um ethnic racial social enemy right and the samaritan helps him and the comparison and i think in this i think it's a correct uh what's that interpretation of the story to jesus in the story is the samaritan yeah true 100%. and uh, i think it's in the beginning of romans where paul writes that first we were enemies of christ or something like yep. that so the at first we were enemies of christ yet being enemies of christ he because he's compassionate enters into our circumstances acquainted yeah. with our grief. So likewise, the great Samaritan enters into the cir- in, enters into the circumstance of, uh, the guy that's beaten. Um, and then I think there's some symbolism there with the oil and the bandages. Yep. Well, tell me oh, that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Get into it. I wanted you to get into it last night, but I was I like, make the turn, I bro. Could, make the turn. But, I, I couldn't, man. It's okay. I, yeah. I wanted to. So yeah, so the oil and, and and the wine, the combination of it was often used to to heal wounds. Yeah, right? yeah. And the way I understand it is like, okay, that was a contextual thing, right? Uh-huh. He used the resources he had to um to help heal to to help heal the man who was broken, right? The man who was uh, who was beaten. Gave up of himself of his the things that he had in order to. Yeah, to be the salve, to be the to, which is the root word of salvation, to right. to, to heal the current state or whatever. Yeah, heal the, the wounds. Yeah, 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 exactly. And that's like oil and wine was used as a balm. So what they would do is how they would treat a wound in the old days is because they didn't have uh, like obviously the uh, 
antiseptic spray or I, I don't know the word Anis, antiseptic. I, I don't know where that came from. But a, anyway, the cleaning stuff. The Oh yeah, antiseptic sprays I think like disinfected or something like that. Yeah, okay, okay. But, so I was, the, okay. but I think you're thinking more like maybe peroxide or like the sure. or like neosporin yeah, yeah this is brand yeah let's draw right. brand names you okay. can tell very quickly we don't have kids we usually don't treat our own wounds we yeah. <laughs> we are as yeah, the yeah, show yeah. says we are young yeah. dumb and trying in the fullest so sense good. of the word oh my right? gosh there it is you yeah. guys we did it there's gonna be like you're gonna come next week and say man i had a cut i put windex all over it and it hasn't healed like what's happening you know what i mean it's just yeah, this is I don't know, man. Goodness gracious! But yeah. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, that's like oil and wine was that mixture, and what it would do is it was it acted as a a soothing agent. So kind yeah. of like what, I mean, you you even put like neosporin on it. Now it hurts, right? right? Oil and wine, it hurt for a little bit. The alcohol cleansed it, mm. but the oil like it provided that soothing and that aloe kind yeah. of that aloe feel, right? Yeah. So it was, um, so it was exactly what the cut needed or the the wound the open wound needed to be healed right? right and that was it it was just a combination of two everyday you could say everyday possessions right but the samaritan he gave of himself to to he he gave up his his time his talents and his treasures yeah. to heal this man who right. was technically his enemy right right um but the 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 cool thing i think about the oil and the wine is it's contextual right Okay. It shows that, and if and Jesus, he's the picture of the Good Samaritan in that story. Um, Jesus, he meets us in what we need, right? Ooh. And that'll oftentimes be different. In my head, it's different than what we want. Yeah. Um, but nonetheless, he meets us in what we need. Right. right. He heals us the way we need to be healed, and that may be different than how we think we should be healed. Yeah. What we how we want to be healed, or even how other people tell us. Yeah. Healing looks right. Yeah. And I think that's important. That's a that's a neat little facet of the story. Absolutely, that I think. something that um, I was I finished with last night when we were discussing a lot of the things that you talk about talked about was uh, I heard Judah Smith talk about he preached a message called "The Little In That Could" about how uh, the church ought to be for the world. The in, the inn or the innkeeper in this the story where Jesus enters into the circumstance of people, gives them what they need to be healed, takes them to the inn, and says, "Hey, you take care of them, and you 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 make sure that they heal up, whatever. I gotta go handle some business, right? I gotta go do some stuff, um, and whatever it costs to keep them here, whatever it costs to make them better, don't worry, I'm gonna pay it. Yeah. Or or, or I mean, maybe he, I guess in our context, you know, don't worry, I paid it already. Like it's it's blank check whatever it costs i'll keep them there or that like he enables us even now to do, yeah to do that, yeah, right? yeah yeah like, i think that's the thing of the story it's like hey don't worry like i'm enabling you to right care right for, the, for this right the story this man but as the church us. all people yeah. that i bring unto you humanity yeah I bring unto myself but actually bring into the church whatever um but so yes yeah, so our role as far as our spheres of influence is to be and however, I mean, it, this could look a thousand, a million, a million different ways practically, but to be uh, not agents of change, to be, that's not what I want to say, to be 
initiators of environments where we can, um, I don't know, foster those like healing things or yeah. whatever. Uh, so like whether that looks like conversations, whether that looks like being hospitable, um, not necessarily hosting people, but being hospitable in whatever a- yep. a- arena you're in, right. whether that means choosing kindness when a lot of other people are not choosing kindness. Like we are called when we see or we feel that there's a broken person approaching. Yeah. Um, literally, metaphorically, however however you want to interpret that, when there's a broken person approaching, no, 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 no. My role is because my role through what Jesus has equipped me with is to contribute to your healing, right. uh, to give up of my resources as the innkeeper to contribute to your healing. And then um, whatever it costs me and whatever it costs us or whatever, he's either going to pay it, has already paid it. Regardless, yep. he's coming to get us both and we're going to go party with him afterwards. You know exactly. what I'm saying? And in a way, one of the best... I think one of the best explanations I've heard of this this gospel life, right? We taught the gospel just simply means good news. The good news that we are reconciled to God and that in because we've been reconciled to God, we can now be agents of reconciliation for others and with others, yeah. right? Yeah, um, that's good. In in this explanation of I think one of the best things that the New Testament bears out is that by living this life that what the gospel is about is living the in light of redemption now. So we we see the end of the story. We read in Revelation uh, how how Jesus makes everything right. He wipes away every tear. There's going to be no more pain, no more crying, no more sorrow, no more death. All of that good stuff. That is what the church is called to embody now. Mm-hmm. That is we live in this. We live as it's already a reality, but it's not yet fulfilled. Right? It's this tension between already and not yet. Yeah. That's that's the gospel. Right? That's what reconciliation means. That's what reconciliation with God enables us to do for others and with others. And ultimately, I would say for all of creation. So it not only informs the way that we act towards one another, it it, it informs the way we act towards the natural world. How do we care for the environment? How do we and I know that that's gonna sound like it's gonna sound weird and, and but like it's true. Like God calls us to be agents of redemption and reconciliation in the world, right? Yeah. And there's going to be a new heaven and new earth, which doesn't mean that this earth is just like is tossed away. It means that this earth is redeemed and reconciled to God. Mm-hmm. And so if it's going to be redeemed and reconciled to God, then, hey, we're called to redeem and reconcile it even now in the present as if we're already there, right? Yeah, that's a really cool thought. Thank you. <laughs> I that's not original to me. That I, I read that. I, I just have to say that I read that in a book. <laughs> but I read that in a book and it changed the way that I view it changed it really changed the way that I view the church. Mm-hmm. It changed the way I view scripture. It changed the way I view other people. Because it moved me from not just selfish isolation. It it, it enabled me to say, Okay, I can actually lay my life down. Right. And it actually motivates me to lay my life. Down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I not only have moved from this and this has been a really cool transformation personally in my life is I've not only moved from being like, "Oh, I have to do this." It's like, "No, I want to do this." Yeah. I want to give up my time, my talents, and my treasures to right. serve others. 
to help them realize. One, it, like it, it opens the door to so much more inclusivity, so much more right. uh, invitation. Right. Um, and not just invitation like, hey, come to church, but invitation like, hey, like see who I am. Right. And um, maybe in that interaction, you'll see how he like feels about you. Right. Which right. is, that's like the, the Henry Nouwen thing. Like yep. once you have a revelation of your belovedness, mm-hmm. the next innate response is to like call out that belovedness in other people. Right. Which is, I think, insane. Yeah. And the, I, insanely yeah. cool. Not insanely yeah. as in like <laughs> mentally unhealthy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I 100% agree. And I think that's a good, um, I think that's a good kind of summary where, where we can kind of like put a bow on it is that, like you said, that the gospel is something that, yes, we receive, but it's something that we participate in, right? It's yeah. A, it's a way of life. It's not just a list of theological facts or beliefs, but it's a way that we live our lives in response to God reconciling himself to us so that we can be agents of reconciliation yeah. for those around us. Yeah. And to like, that's it. Like that's, that's when we talk about the good news of Jesus that's what Jesus initiated. And yeah. not just for a specific group of people, like ethnic Israel, mm. but for all of humanity. Yeah. And that's like that's what we talk about when we mean the gospel, and that's what Jesus invites each and every one of us into. Yeah. The the like a summary sentence that it just popped in my head while you're talking is some of the first things he says to the disciples is just come and see. Yeah. And one of the last things he says to the disciples is Okay, now go and do. Yeah. Which is like, okay, that's what it is, yeah. right? That's it. That is that is that is the gospel. And it's yeah. not something, it's not like we're earning it or we have to earn it. It's some. It's a gift that's been given. Yeah. And that gift is often comes in the form of an invitation mm-hmm. to join Jesus. Absolutely. And in that way, it's participatory. Mm-hmm. We, we participate in it. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks so much for listening to Stephen and I's second conversation on the Young, Dumb, and Trying podcast. And this conversation was truly a joy to talk with Stephen about. And it's something that really gives me a lot of hope, a lot of joy, and a lot of life as I think about how Christianity relates to my experiences and culture today. I love how Stephen and I talked about the gospel as good news for each and every one of us personally, not just something that we agree with or something that we can even produce in and of ourselves. Rather, God meets us right where we're at and he has compassion on us and he sees us for who he created us to be, not just what we can do or produce ourselves. If you're watching this episode on YouTube, you can go ahead and click the information tab you see right there below me to find all of the show notes and ideas we discussed. Or if you're listening on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, or anywhere where you can stream music or podcasts, go ahead and click on the show description to get access to all of that information. Thanks again so much for listening to today's episode. We'll see you on the next episode of the Young, Dumb, and Trying podcast.